Hello and welcome to the Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Root of Big Ten Network, and this week's guest is former Nebraska linebacker, NFL draft prospect, JoJo Doman. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! All right, before we get to JoJo Doman, quick word from our sponsor, Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in the strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu sports. All right, great opportunity there as always. Uh, longtime sponsor of the show. If you're looking to work in sports, work at a place like Big Ten Network, check out that master's program. All right, we're going to get into JoJo Doman in just a moment. Like I introduced at the top, uh, six-year student-athlete at, North, at uh, Nebraska and had a awesome year, All-American level year um, at Nebraska this past season, a super senior season. Great career overall, but kind of a guy who just worked his way up, uh, kept grinding, and carved out not only you know a great career there, but um, has probably positioned himself for a uh, really really good opportunity in the NFL. So we'll see what happens with him throughout the draft process. We talk about that with him. Talk about his Nebraska career, and uh, it's a guy who has definitely made himself available for Big Ten Network interviews um, late in his career here, and, and it's good to continue to get to know him. So we'll toss it over now to. Former Nebraska linebacker JoJo Doman starts right now. All right, very pleased to be joined by outgoing Husker linebacker JoJo Doman here on the podcast. He spent six seasons at Nebraska. Going to spend a little bit of time, a little less than that here on the podcast. Uh, JoJo, what's up, man? Good to talk to you again. Alex, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on video here, if you're watching on YouTube, you can tell the man is in comfy quarters. He's at home in Colorado, I believe. And what's it like, man, moving back in with the parents? It's that time of your life. Oh, man, it's a it's a quick week, so it's nothing too crazy. Yeah, homemade meals are nice. Uh, grandma sometimes cleans up after me, which is really nice. And, you know, just feeling that TLC to an extra degree, just being home. Uh, a lot of memories coming home. Everywhere I go, I can remember stuff from high school and just growing up. It's crazy being home. but. Yeah, we're getting working too. Yeah, what step is this like in your draft prep, right? I know we saw you had the uh, no Tusker fans go out once you had surgery on your hand that ended your career there. Uh, so take me through the steps like between that message going out and then now and then up until April in the draft. Yeah, so I guess you could say phase one was getting the surgery. Um, and I'm four weeks out since Monday. Uh, from surgery. So I'm starting to get some good range of motion in my hand and uh, can't make a fist quite yet, but I'm, that's what I'm working towards in these next uh, two weeks. And then the next four weeks will be strength. And I'd say I'm entering into phase two right now, which is really just addressing all the imbalances in my body, uh, trying to, my body's a machine and just attacking it like that. 
And if I got a flat tire or a low tire or a door, or a door that's not uh, opening, a window that's not rolling down, we're addressing those things um, here in Colorado with my guy and uh, trying to be a Ferrari out there on the field. Yeah, so where are you about to be coming up? You said about a week in Colorado. Where, where are the stops going to take you, you know, through the holidays, through the spring, all that? So I'll be in Lincoln next week for our banquet, and I'll do some training out there, and then I'll be in Grand Island with my girlfriend for Christmas. Uh, we've been together for five years, so that was about time that we take that next step and, and spending the holidays together. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, and then I take off to Dallas on the 28th. My brother Brock plays for Louisville. They play Air Force out of all teams in the nation. I'm 10 minutes from the Air Force Academy right now. Uh, they play them at SMU Stadium um, on the 28th. Then I'll take off to Cancun on a little family vacay, get some beach work in down there and then come back home for a week. And I take off to Florida, start getting ready for that senior bowl, uh, spending two weeks, about 10 days down there before uh, senior bowl week. Nice. Yeah. I was in Cancun for New Year's last year. They know how to do it. Uh, New Year's Eve. Is it turn? It was nice. It was COVID. So like we tried to play low key, um, but you could tell, you know, if, if you wanted the fun, the fun can find you for sure. Definitely. So enjoy that. Um, all right, Jojo. So you mentioned the surgery. Uh, How's that going to affect, I guess, you know, what you'll be able to do workout wise? Like when are you supposed to be good to go? Take me through that timeline if you could. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a 12 week surgery. So I'm at, I'm at four 12 week recovery. So I'm at four weeks and sheesh, it's affected really everything. Like the first 10 days, I wasn't supposed to get my heart rate up uh, for, I don't even know the reason to be honest, but I mean, I've had to make up a lot of accommodations. Like I can't bench, but I'm hitting push-ups, weighted vested push-ups, plates on my back. And just I have to be creative and finding ways to still get the work. Uh, my upper body hyper hypertrophied a little bit, lost a little bit of muscle mass just over those 10 days where I really couldn't do anything. And um, But I'm starting to get it back. So uh, it really everything I do from my nutrition to my sleep to, to every habit that I have um, is propelling me forward in this process. All right. Well, you put plenty on tape to get on the radar of NFL teams for sure. And took your game really to another level, right? Your senior year in those 10 games, uh, elevated that draft stock. Like, to be honest, just knowing, you know, where you were and where you are now, did you kind of expect to be in this position as now an older and, and somewhat undersized guy? Or are you like, all right, sweet. You know, we're on, we're on some boards now. That was the intention, man. Uh, yes. The opportunity to Nebraska uh, was one that I didn't want to pass up. I felt like I had unfinished business and I wanted to dominate at the level I was at before I moved on to the next level. And that was my intention. That was my focus. That's where all my energy and all my training was, was, was for, uh, that last off season. So for that to kind of come into fruition and for me to have the season that I had, I feel, I feel blessed, but I also feel like I'm on my, I'm on my path. Uh, this is what I, this is what I have wanted to do since I was, five when I first picked up a football and now I'm living it. So every day is an opportunity to live my dream. Every day is an opportunity to get better. And that's how I'm approaching it. So what's it say about, you know, someone like you taking a longer road, right? Six years down in Lincoln, um, especially, you know, it's more so basketball, but even in football, there's always the eye toward like the younger athletes, the, uh, you know, the, the higher ceiling and, and maybe less proven, but you did it, man. You, you know, you went from, a special teams player to uh, safety at times and out, you know, to a 
big time starting linebacker in the Big Ten. So don't be humble about that. You know, that's that's impressive. Kind of talk up the the path and, and the value in in seeing it through in coming back to school and getting it done. It's it's everything. It's sheesh. Almost feels like the hero's journey where I came, saw early play time, even when I didn't believe in myself got injured, got injured again, had to continue to fight through the adversity and the hardships of what the game demanded and really finding out the biggest obstacle in me achieving my dream was myself and then having to overcome that obstacle within myself and then for, for it all to come to fruition. And, and it didn't happen the way we were supposed to. Like we didn't, we weren't in the big 10 championship, whatever, but Man, I, I, I left everything I had. I poured my guts and heart out uh, to that in that program. And I have relationships that will last a lifetime and impacted few and far between. And just I couldn't be more grateful for my experience and the lessons I've learned. Like I wouldn't be the man sitting right here in front of you today if it wasn't for all those hardships and the six years and the grind. And when it comes to those young bucks versus me, I'm ready to come in and compete and take a job right away. And that's my mindset. You're, you're drafting a, a man on a mission uh, by drafting Jojo Doman. So uh, I can't, I, I wouldn't be here saying that if I left and declared last year. Yeah. Hungry. I love it. And, and, you know, playing at Nebraska, I always knew, you know, since I've, I've followed that program really that playing there carries a, a unique vibe. Right. And like I hadn't experienced it firsthand until I was there a few weeks ago for that Iowa game. And you know, I felt it right. Like I knew it was going to be like that, but like it kind of takes being there to appreciate, okay, this team, uh, even though despite the losing record has 90,000 come out on the day after a holiday, right. On a holiday weekend. And, and the vibe is just insane. So being able to experience that, I don't know. I just want to be like, Hey, like you guys, uh, got something legit going over there. I knew it, but I I'm just grateful to be able to have experienced that. Yes. I mean, that was the biggest pull that brought me to Nebraska is I wanted to play uh, for a program that they cared about football. And sheesh, I didn't even know the half of it when I committed. And to have a sold out stadium for a three and eight team versus our rival where they had they could have had every excuse not to show up just is a testament to Husker faithful and and the fan base in Nebraska. And that's what makes that place special, man. It's, there's no pro team. There's no there's nothing out there. There's nothing else out there besides Nebraska football in the football world. So uh, you got the whole, you got the whole state on your back. And, and that's how I, that's how I like to play. I like to inspire people with how I played and, and, and the intensity and the tenacity that I bring to the field and just trying to make the people proud, whoever's watching me, just make them proud. Yeah. And, and with that said, you know, obviously you had a lot of sellouts there every single game, but what, what was maybe one of the games you look back on that brought the cra- craziest atmosphere uh, at, your home stadium, Memorial Stadium, if you could think back to, uh, you know, the one that that uh, was the most lit, as the kids say. <laughs> well, everything's perspective, right? So the probably the most lit one on paper was Michigan this past year, the night game. It was, I mean, it was popping. But I can remember, if you can rewind all the way back to 2016, from my perspective, it was I played the first snap of the first game on kickoff return in 2016 versus Fresno State. And it was a night game. The The flashlights on the cameras were out. The stadium was rocking. And I'm out there on the front line of kickoff return. Felt like I was in a video game. And I'll never forget that moment because it didn't, it didn't even feel real. 
it felt like everything was in slow motion. And it was just one of those moments where I couldn't even, I couldn't even comprehend what was happening. All right. How about going into an opposing big 10 stadium? What was the craziest road atmosphere? Um, mm. You, you know, I kind of looked around you're like, all right, you know, big 10 football straight up. It's, 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 it's legit. <laughs> I mean, you walk into the horseshoe and you're like, is this the Roman Coliseum? Like it is wild. And I've got, I think I've played there three times. Um, and each time it just amazes me. So that atmosphere is wild. I loved playing at Oklahoma this year. Um, the grass and the fans right on top of you. But then, I mean, even Iowa with like, you literally have a couple feet between the benches and the fans. And it's just something you got to get used to it. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to block out people yelling your number, yelling your name, and then whatever nonsense they say afterwards. It's a skill to be able to block those guys out. So, I mean, really, there's some great venues in the Big Ten, and I'm just appreciative that I got to be a part of it. All right, so what's maybe a stadium on the road where you looked up and, like, half the place is red? You know, Husker Nation showed out. Is there is there an instance that you remember where so many yep. fans kind of overwhelmed the place? CU and Northwestern. I mean, both of those – I mean, I remember CU did something to where they were going to take away season tickets or something if they caught you selling your tickets to Nebraska fans. Just some outlandish stuff. On top of Northwestern 2019, I'm like over half the stadium was red. So our, our fans travel well. And uh, yeah, it's crazy when you're in another opposing team's field and it feels like a home game. Uh, that was just your fan club in Boulder, though. You know, you had the hometown boys coming out to support. For sure. That was surreal, man. That was a good That was a good one. All right. So, you know, <clears throat> we talk about North, uh, Nebraska being, I, I would argue, unique, you know, in the college football landscape and, and some of the opportunities that come along with that. And with your, your senior year, you hanging around for your sixth year, name, image, and likeness policy went into effect, which allowed you to, you know, monetize your, your experience as a student athlete. But you also – were able to use that opportunity to, to give back um, to the community and did something called Husker Heartbeat, right? Uh, partnered yep. with, with an insurance company to donate, you know, at least a grand a week to different charities um, in the community. And I saw where you raised over $21,000, which is, which is amazing. Uh, and, you know, you, you started taking people like my job, people like me, their jobs, because uh, you had your own podcast as well. So getting in the media space as well. So, you know, I assume just even aside from the, the football side of things, the fact that you're able to hang around, kind of pursue those opportunities and, and, and use some of this money coming your way to give back. Uh, I just want you to get into that opportunity and, and what that experience was like. Yeah. I mean, it really was, it, it was part of, it was part of the pie that needed to, that needed to be had by me coming back. The Husker Heartbeat was an awesome opportunity. Edgewater Insurance, $12,000 throughout the year. We, our listeners alone raised uh, $10,000 uh, to charities. So that was unbelievable to meet those families and to realize the impact you have just by caring and, and, and sharing resources. Like, I feel like that's what life's all about. And then for the podcast, I mean, I found out like two weeks, like, yo, you want to do a podcast, Husker Online, Sean Callahan? I had two weeks and I was like, well, like, yeah, sign me up. Like time is now. And the growth I made just, just in my interviewing um, protocol, I guess, like 
from the first one to the last one just was night and day difference. And then it, it challenged me emotionally to show up after nine losses, like the losses that we had and still uh, be there and to still create content and not, and not focus on negativity and, and find the positive and everything and trying to be a light in a dark place. And the podcast was an avenue for all of that. So a lot of interpersonal growth happened through these um, opportunities, which is, is a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I saw you were an advertising PR major and doing the podcast obviously folds into some of that communication that you picked up. Uh, you played golf with Kenny Bell with us for uh, an episode that just dropped. So check that out. Uh, link up with Kenny Bell where Jojo gets grilled on the golf course, but uh, <laughs> fun. So you got your media training in already, right? Like we're going to try and bring yeah. you to the studio in Chicago at some point, do, do a little tour there. Um, so it sounds like you're ready for like NFL combine in February, the team interviews, you got to get face to face with some of these GMs, you know, the NFL media where they're maybe a little less forgiving than Nebraska media. Uh, are you ready for everything that comes after that? Maybe the Lincoln bubble that you're, you're going to pop out of soon. I'm ready. It already feels like I've entered that next phase of my life. And I mean, six years is a long time in the same place. I lived in the same house for six years and you know, there's environmental cues that like we associate feelings with places like as, as crazy as that sounds. So to just get out of that loop has been really nice already, just like a week out and just moving forward. You know, you could probably be you could you could be OK at being somebody else, but you're always going to be great at being yourself. And that's the philosophy that I'm taking with me on this journey is just be great at being yourself. Uh, no matter who you're in front of, a scout, a GM, a coach um, and other great athletes across the country. Just be myself, man. Trust myself. Uh, trust my training and believe. Belief is the big thing for me. If you believe it, you can achieve it. If you don't, then you can't. So that's that's my mindset. Going back to your charity work a little bit, are there ways for, still pe for people to still get involved? Um, I know, you know the week-by-week -week campaign might be over, but if you have any opportunities for listeners out there to maybe contribute, um, now's the time to lay that out there. Yeah. I mean... I think you can go to my website and if you buy a Husker heartbeat t-shirt, hundred percent of the proceeds goes towards um, a charity of that week. But with it all being uh, done, I think just, uh, I mean, if you fought, if you look at up Edgewater insurance and real estate on Instagram, they, uh, they still have um, some of those donation links that, I mean, there's 12 of them. So pick, pick and choose and whatever you feel called to uh, anything helps. And it's just a great opportunity to give back and to share the love. Yeah, and continuing to follow you, I'm sure, as well, on Instagram and, and Twitter and all that. It's probably not going to be your last charitable endeavor, I'm, I'm confident in saying. <laughs> That's fair to say. And just out of curiosity, you know, obviously this was a uh, – had a charity aspect tied in, but with the NIL stuff that you maybe got involved with, you can share as little or as, as much as you want. Like, how does this work um, since it's so new for everybody? Like, you just get approached by – um, some rep, like, and you have to weigh your options and, and just, you know, now that you're kind of out of college and you can talk about it a little bit, curious as to how these things have come together. Yeah. So I think just like everybody else, I woke up on July 1st with a Runza and a GoPuff advertisement waiting in my open doors. And <laughs> I was like, well, this ain't it. And I'm blessed to have a mother who's, um, a marketing guru. And I kind of, she's, she's repping me, you could say. And 
we went out and have, and have explored every opportunity. So the, the football camp that we had in July, uh, we did it. The Husker Harpy give back, like we, we created everything. So my, my word of advice to athletes is to, when you go somewhere like Chick-fil-A and you really resonate with Chick-fil-A, like ask to talk with the manager, uh, put yourself out, out there, network. Uh, even if he doesn't want, uh, have an opportunity to do something with you, he might know somebody who does. And just by creating relationships with people in that world, you're, you're setting yourself up for opportunities. And that's really all we did. And we're not a, we didn't, every, every uh, dart we threw wasn't a bullseye, but the ones that did hit obviously hit. So it's just put yourself out there. I will say you do have an advantage uh, with your parents being so savvy, like got to know them a great deal, uh, especially during that trip to Lincoln. And, and uh, I feel like they'll, they'll steer you on the right course. If you don't know what to do They're they're pretty sharp. Um, also, you know, with this being more commonplace and, and it's going to get even bigger, I'm sure. Like I saw JJ McCarthy from Michigan posted about uh, giving back to charity with his NIL money. That went, that went crazy this week. Um, and, you know, interacting with people like you and, and Kenny Bell, who is pretty much a, a legend, you know, in, in Lincoln, he could be the mayor. I was joking pretty much that whole trip <laughs> with him. Like there's such a benefit, I think, in playing college sports that, that really does carry over beyond your playing days, right? Like you can go back to Nebraska anytime and, and not only get a free drink, but you can probably, you know, give back in some way or, or have, have some sort of support within the community. And I just think like, no joke for Nebraska, especially, which is, is looking for ways to um, get in people's, you know, front porches on the doorstep. Like that's a great recruiting pitch for them to, to have that support long after you leave campus. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, football is a platform and it's really how you use it. If my time at Nebraska was solely about wins and losses, uh, I'd be depressed, but it was so much bigger than that. Uh, it's about the lessons from the wins and the losses, and it's about the the relationships you make and the impact that you can make. So, yeah, you you said it. Like Nebraska is a, a great uh, a place for that. And if and if young kids aspire to to live for something bigger than themselves, Nebraska is a a place to do that. For sure. And and I want to get one more uh, look into your kind of Big Ten perspective as a linebacker, real quick, before I let you go here, JoJo. Give me. It's putting you on the spot, but if you could give me three of the top uh, toughest opposing players to tackle to bring down that you played against throughout your career? My whole career? Yeah, it could be any. Oh, yeah. Yep. J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State. Pretty good. Yep. Whew. I felt like I ran into a cement truck when I tackled him. Um, I mean, I didn't get a clean lick on Jonathan Taylor, but, I mean, he was a he was a tough one to bring down as well. You might get and, a chance in the NFL. Yep, yep. We'll see. He's then, doing well. Sheesh. Honestly, the Oklahoma running back uh, was nice. Number twenty six. I don't know his name, but uh, he had a he had a really nice base. One of those guys where you got to bring everything. You can't just you can't just if you if you just throw your body at him, you're gonna bounce right off. Like you got to bring the contact and wrap up and. Uh, he, I think I missed two tackles on him in that game. So I'll give him some props on that. All right. We'll look up that name. We'll get him on a graphic or something. And, uh, you know, even though we don't like to give the Sooners too much love, uh, it's all good. Right. Got to right. respect game. game, respect game. All right, Jojo, last question off the field, away from the training room, away from the two days, all that stuff. Uh, what are you doing in your downtime 
before the draft for, you know, your life is, is completely locked into whatever organization you end up at. What's like, you know, the TV shows you're streaming, the activities or hobbies you're picking up, what's, what's going on in the life of Jojo Doman? I'm so glad you asked. I, uh, it's all, it's all about, it's all about up leveling for me. I don't know where I got this growth mindset from, but I cannot stay stagnant. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. And I love reading. I counted yesterday. I read 11 books this year without even trying. My goal for 2022 is 20 books. Um, the book I'm reading right now is Untethered Soul. If you, if you want to search yourself, read that book. It's unbelievable. And um, I mean, from meditations to yoga to reading, uh, when it comes to TV, I, I probably rewatched Ted Lasso uh, this year. Pretty, I, I've, I've been fiending for it. On top of, I want to watch that Tom Brady um, thing that's coming out on Apple TV. So, yeah, just really just mindfulness practices, man. I, I love relationships. The more I can pour into my people, the better off I am energetically. So, man, I just like I'm literally living my dream, Alex. Like. I'm on cloud nine and whatever happens, whatever comes my way, I'm ready for it. So uh, thank you for having me on, man. And and I look forward to linking up with you soon. Yeah, I love to hear that, man. And easy guy to root for, for sure. It was great meeting you at the beginning of the season or in the summer and then seeing you have a great year and, and you know, put yourself in a position to live out your dream, like you said. So gonna be following, gonna be rooting for you and uh, appreciate you jumping on and, and letting us behind the curtain a little bit as, as you leave Nebraska and transition to the next period of your life. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Jojo for joining me. Really, really good guy. Good family. Uh, been able to you know meet him, meet his parents and guy who's uh, going places for sure. Uh, football and beyond. And, and um, best of luck to Jojo once again, as he goes through the limbo between college and the NFL. All right, next guest to wrap it up is Harold Shelton. Listen to the show before. Harold is our manager of research at Big Ten Network and also is a very gifted sports talker. Um, always go to him for anything, either stats related or just general Big Ten football and basketball specifics, you know, especially matchups, analysis, breaking down anything and everything Big Ten football. Uh, as the guy who puts the stat packs together for everybody at the network. He's on top of it, and he can uh, put it into words in a way that most can't in uh, in the media business. So always fun to talk to and listen to him. And we talk, uh, since we haven't had a podcast in a while, we talk about quite a few developments, both uh, in the recent history of uh, Big Ten football, starting kind of pretty much at the Michigan-Ohio State game and working our way forward up until the – college football playoff semifinal and the other bowl games that are going on and we also talk big 10 basketball as well now that that's in full swing kind of recap the first month talk about where uh, things are trending where teams are trending some surprises some uh you know upsets and and pretty much what we have to look forward to for the next three months so really good convo with harold we'll get to him it's tick 10 podcast discussion with harold shelton Very excited to be rejoined by Harold Shelton, Big Ten Network Manager of Research. In mid-December, H, it's been a while. It is uh, just on the other side of your birthday weekend here, so shout out to you, happy birthday. You can tell the folks how old you turned if you'd like, that's optional. Uh, but I, I know you, you look 
refreshed and relaxed to the folks on YouTube that he just got back from a tropical vacation. So what is up? And again, happy belated. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, 38 years on this earth is, is always a good thing. It's always a blessing to see another year. So uh, definitely happy about that. And you're right. I, I am much more uh, relaxed coming back. Uh, football season was definitely a grind. So it's always good to kind of get away. And my birthday pretty much falls in line with a nice slow period. So I was able to kind of sneak out as soon as bowl stuff got done. Yeah, every year that's something nice to look forward to. Like you got the gauntlet the season, but at least you know your birthday is on the other side of Indianapolis and can just kind of chill. Yeah, exactly. And that's just, you know, hopefully I can continue to do that. You know, we'll see uh, what the wife says. You know, she's the boss. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, that could continue going forward. All right. Well, back for now. Um, you know, it is a slower time, like you said. I think we're all happy about that. Um, got hoops going. We got football, uh, you know, with a lot of stakes still ahead of us with the college football playoff and a team involved in that. A lot of bowl games coming, but uh, we just got to catch up on some stuff because it's been a while, you know, due to that hectic schedule, due to, uh, you know, my uh, capability of lining up guests, you know, we just had a few week hiatus. So before we uh, get into all that, that entails those few weeks, uh, real quick, let's do what we do. Um, guest related, right? We try and offer up some memories that uh, associate with each guest. So had Jojo Doman on this episode, what do you remember? And obviously it's more recent because he just wrapped up his career in Nebraska, but what are some highlights uh, from his career that stand out to you? Just a versatile athlete, man. Just a versatile athlete. Um, I think it's really interesting that he was a second team All-American by the AP uh, that came out this past week on a team that was three and nine. It just goes to show you how much of an impact he made. And I believe it was the, he's the first uh, Nebraska player to be an AP All-American in seven years, um, you know, since like Amir and Randy Gregory. Uh, so, you know, that's that's joining pretty good company there. I thought it was also interesting that they listed him as a DB when he mostly played linebacker. So, again, just kind of goes to show you the, the versatility and athleticism that he has. Uh, certainly a guy that can make a lot of plays sideline to sideline and you know, well-deserved uh, award for him and congrats to him. Yeah, happy for him for having such a nice uh, super senior year. It, it's interesting because we had uh, linked up with him over the summer to do some content opportunities that were specific to Nebraska and Kenny Bell. So got to know him and then seeing him, you know, really show out his senior year. Like he was an impact player, but uh, put his name, you know, firmly in some some NFL draft boards and had – I guess the payoff that you really want if you're somebody who's coming back for the extra year when, when you don't have to. Um, and I think we're seeing, I don't know, I feel like there's been a, a decent amount of those stories lately, like Kenny Pickett coming back when he could have gone uh, now as a Heisman finalist and will be a, a, you know, top overall pick and, and just guys who now might see the benefit of coming back to school, uh, investing that time. And then, you know, it doesn't always have to be, the unproven or, or high ceiling commodity that, that leaves school early. Yeah, exactly. And I know I'm sure he didn't get the, the team success that he wanted, but it's cool that he was able to, you know, kind of bet on himself. So, you know what, I'm going to give it one more shot, you know, show the NFL what I can do. It's always good to see those guys that, that bet on themselves, don't get hurt and wind up, you know, parlaying that into, you know, either getting on a draft board or climbing higher up on a draft board. You know, I'll be shocked if he's not at the combine 
and you know he he'll have another chance to impress more scouts there. Yep. All right. So good stuff with JoJo. Uh, got a lot, like I said, to catch up on though. I think most notably, biggest event that happened since we uh, uh, stepped away was Michigan beating Ohio State, right? Um, and then rolling in Indianapolis, forty-two to three over Iowa really cementing themselves as having a, a, a legendary dream season. I just was looking back to um, those last couple of moments where like they knew where they were going to win. It was snowing. The crowd felt it. They were doing the pump it up sound in the or, uh, song in the stands and they kept cutting the hardball. Like really it was um, production mastery by Fox sports in those last couple of minutes there. I didn't get to watch the whole game because I was coming back from like, Nebraska that weekend, but I did get to watch the second half and the ending and like that just encapsulated kind of, you know, that that downtrodden in that rivalry team rising up and finally vanquishing, you know, the, the, the tormentor, so to speak. And and all that emotion was was captured. And I'm sure we'll see that reflected still as that fan base is riding high down in uh, down in South Florida down to the end of the month. So just thoughts on that, you know, as being a one neutral observer from staff's perspective and also being a Michigan State guy who, who knows what it's like to be wrapped up and tangled up with. Michigan when it comes to rivalries, um, you know, just reflecting on on that massive event that we didn't get to in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, for Michigan fans, it has to be, you know, just an absolute thrill. I, I assume that last 10, 15 minutes, maybe not a game time, but a real time was just completely cathartic, right? Where you know you're going to win the game and the way you're winning it, like you're just a better team. Like there's no fluke about it. It's no, uh, you know, they had some crazy bounce go our way or some call that went against us. Like, you lined up, you punched them in the mouth repeatedly. They could do nothing to stop you on either side of the line of scrimmage. And you you were just better. And when you, you know, were kind of promised this when Jim Harbaugh came in, you were expecting this and it hadn't happened and it hadn't happened. And you kind of wonder if it's going to happen after – you know, they go two and four a year ago. Obviously, COVID, you know, messed with a lot of programs. But, you know, you just kind of wonder what it's going to be. You start the year unranked. I don't know how many people saw this coming back in September outside of that locker room. And so when you see it play out that way, it had to be just a great feeling for them. Um, you know, obviously coming up short in that rivalry. And then to combine that with just completely blowing the doors off of Iowa, you know that game's over with, you know, five minutes into the second half pretty much, and you, you know you're in the playoff. You, you've accomplished all this, the things that you wanted up to this point. Um, you know, it had to be a, a great feeling for them. Um, obviously, as a Michigan State fan, dealing with Michigan fans a lot, um, the alums I've encountered have been been pretty cool about it. Some Some others maybe not so much, but – Hey, you know, they're, they're the champs for now. And, uh, you know, you tip your cap to them. They had a hell of a year and see if they can keep it going. Hey, you mentioned the whole Harbaugh resurgence. And, like, I was one of those people who didn't really get it, you know, when uh, they were running it back with him. And, and I was just like, you know, it's, it's there's so much pressure already on him and there. And it hasn't worked to this point. And just one of those situations where it seems like it may never. But, man, like, credit to him. Obviously, we knew known he was a great coach. Like, they've been very, very good even before this year under him there, despite the rivalry, uh, you know, falling short in some of those rivalries and the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl coach and, and was awesome in San Francisco. And so it's like, we knew 
you know, he was capable of, of succeeding like he has in Michigan. And, and when it just didn't happen, uh, you know, I was a little, little skeptical that, that it would work out. I certainly didn't see it, you know, manifesting like this, but shout out to him for, um, you know, staying the course and, and really having, as, as he calls it, I believe, uh, for putting together a, a good little ball team. So, uh, they certainly are. And they got a Heisman contender too out of it. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson finished second. So, um, you know, every, every team like this kind of needs, or kind of usually has a face of the program. And that's, that's definitely him. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, two of the guys they sent to media day uh, were Hutchinson and Haskins. And those were the two that clearly seemed like the leaders on this team, the two faces, on, you know, one on each side of the ball. And they were the main reason, you know, why they got, you know, to the point that they're at right now. And, you know, I think, that the Haskins part for me was interesting because, you know, a lot of Michigan fans loved the, the higher rated guys and Haskins was kind of a three-star. And then you, you, you had your Zach Charbonnets and, and you had your Blake Corms and you had all these guys that were rated higher than him. And he just physical, never falls, you know, always falls forward, you know, never has a negative play runs angry and hard and once quorum got hurt and he became the feature guy like he just put that offense on his back and obviously on the other side like we knew Hutchinson was good before had some injuries decided to come back wanted to run it back wanted to win the Big Ten wanted to beat Ohio State all the stuff he said and, and it came true um we didn't know about David Ajabo <laughs> and uh now you know you had the 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 best bookend duo, I guess, in the country with those two. So, you know, I, I definitely want to give him a lot of love. I know we talk a lot about Hutchinson, but it's hard to double because you got that guy on the other side. So, you know, you got one guy getting 11 sacks, another guy getting 13, best of luck. You know, it's not like Hutchinson was just kind of doing it by himself. I got to give Ojabo a lot of love, too. Yeah, that was another moment at the end of – the Ohio State game where Ojabo did the LeBron stomp celebration. And then on the sideline, they crowned him, did that the same celebration that I think LeBron had done against the Pacers a couple of nights before and doing that to his, his team, right? Like his favorite college team, I thought was, was, uh, was pretty savvy. And uh, you mentioned Haskins as well. Like he had a big enough impact that Harbaugh snuck Haskins name into the Heisman ceremony when they interviewed him on Saturday night, uh, just kind of out of nowhere, they were talking about Hutchinson and then Harbaugh, said, oh, and, and Hassan Haskins was, like, just as crucial pretty much to this team, um, paraphrasing a little bit, but I thought that was interesting. And, like, I, I, I was fortunate enough to go to the Heisman Trophy festivities the past weekend in, uh, in New York and, like, seeing Hutchison up close. Like, he's got the full kind of package when it comes to the face of a, a program, like, very just kind of affable dude. Like, he got along well, like, knew what to say to the media. Um, I think the Heisman – thing is just the latest event right that is kind of this non-stop rush for Michigan fans like they knew they had a good team then they beat Ohio State takes it to a completely another level Indy they continue to ride that and then the Heisman is just a, a nice you know thing to pay attention to and and see your, your team's name up in lights and a player be honored and it all kind of leads to this college football playoff uh uh semifinal coming up and like this is the best part I think of being a fan, right? Is when your team is on the way either back or up and it's just kind of this nonstop rush of optimism. Uh, you know, I remember feeling it personally, like 
as a Cubs fan, like, you know, when they were on the way in 2015 and then 16, and it's just, you kind of feel like invincible. And I, I just kind of know what Michigan fans are probably feeling right now after being away for so long. Yeah. No, I, and I think it's more fun when it's not expected. Mm -hmm. Um Totally. Not to say that Michigan didn't think they'd have a good year, but I don't know how many people saw them being 12 and one and, and completely dominating Ohio State the way they did and running away in a championship game like they did. Um, you know, from, you know, to personalize it, it kind of felt 2013 Michigan State-ish to me where it started out unranked and it was just kind of like a slow build. And then they get to November and they start killing people and then they get to the championship game and they run away there and, you know, they finish in the top four. And, you know, it's kind of similar with Michigan where, you know, they both started unranked. You know, Michigan has some scares, you know, K. McNamara, we didn't really know if he was going to be a good quarterback. And, you know, they, they suffer a loss. They bounce back from it. And it just kind of all comes together. And they, and they play their best football at the end of the year, which is what they're doing now. And, you know, at this point, I don't want to say it's house money because I think they're certainly capable enough to win two more games. But even if they don't, I, I don't know how you could be upset if they happen to finish 12 and two with a big 10 championship and a win over Ohio state. All right. So the way the playoff worked out, you know, we didn't expect Alabama to be number one uh, going into that Auburn game, or at least, you know, even late in that game, um, they were so close to being knocked out completely of course, you know, you give them a little slice of light into the tunnel, they might bust through, and they did. Um, so got to get by Georgia first, obviously. They were kind of the, the number one team all year that everyone feared. Um, great defense, but took it on the chin in that SEC championship game. Uh, how does Michigan match up with Georgia? To be honest, I, you know, I'm kind of hearing what you're about to say for the first time. Um, I, I don't watch a ton of SEC football, um, and – I just kind of know what, what the national media has, has fed me um, about Georgia. So how does Michigan stack up and what can we look forward to down, uh, down at the Hard Rock Stadium New Year's Eve? Uh, I think of the, of the teams that are in the playoff of the other three, this is probably the worst matchup for them, to be honest. Um, I think it would have been much better if Georgia was one and – they could have played like Cincinnati or, you know, Big 12 champ or Notre Dame. Mm. Um, that's not, again, that's not to say that Michigan can't win the game, but, you know, Michigan wants to be tough, physical, you know, run at you, wear you down. And Georgia's really, really good up front. And so it's just a much harder matchup. I think mean, Alabama was able to beat Georgia throwing over the top. Bryce Young got out in space, ran around. I know J.J. McCarthy could do that. K doesn't really do that that much. Maybe we'll see more of McCarthy to try to, you know, get those Georgia guys in space um, as a runner and stuff like that. But I just think it'll be really, really tough to kind of impose their will, which they like to do against, you know, as we saw against Ohio State, against Iowa, and against a lot of teams on their schedule. They were just able to you know, hit them with body blows early, 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 and then wear you down. Georgia plays the exact same way. And I think they'll have some issues moving the ball against Michigan. And I think the quarterback matchup is probably going to be the key. I'm not a huge Stetson Bennett guy. You know, if they get behind, I don't know if he's a guy that can lead them back. But if they get a lead, then they can just lean on you, lean on you, wear you down. 
I think that's where it becomes an issue. But if Kay McNamara makes enough plays, you know, if he plays the way he has, you know, uh, since October 30th, where he's been outstanding, then I think Michigan's got a good shot. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, and it was nice, I think, you know, not to go back to Indy, but like just to see a team that, uh, you know, was there for the first time in Michigan and Iowa too, you know, it was the second time for them there, obviously, but just, uh, you know, it's, it goes back to the joke of like a college football playoff, switching up the, the colors. Like it was always the same color teams. And we kind of had that in Indy for a while. It was always like Wisconsin, Ohio State. Yeah, Northwestern was there a couple of times, but you always had the Scarlet and Graham one side and, and they earned it. But, you know, that, that game, I think, becomes a stepping stone, uh, you know, as opposed to an event if you're there over and over again. Uh, this was like the main event for Michigan. Um, and, you know, it was cool to, to see the excitement just in Indy, just uh, being the best that it's been since I've been down there. So, sure, you know, I'm sure that that will carry over South Florida as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be shocked if Michigan didn't try to flood that place. Um, Dude, I you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to get in a game like this. The um, flight prices down to Florida right now from Chicago. You know how many Michigan alumni are in Chicago? And, man. and uh, I, I think the uh, the airline algorithms have figured that out. So <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I mean, if it was if it was me and it was my team down there, I'd be trying to find a way. I don't know if I'd have to drive a few hours and then fly somewhere or or what the case would be, but I'd certainly be, be trying to get down there. I know um, for 2015 in Dallas, we – we tried a, a few different things to get some people down there and we figured it out and got down there. So I, I fully expect Michigan to do the same. Um, again, unless your name is Ohio state or Alabama, like you can't expect to be in the playoff every year, or every other year. Um, it's just really, really hard to, to finish in the top four. So, you know, hopefully Michigan fans can get down there, enjoy their team, enjoy the season you know, maybe win a game or two more. And if they do win in Miami, I mean, the championship game is right back in Indy. It's so Indy, yeah. You a nice, yeah, you get a nice drive again to try to do it all over. For sure. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Uh, I bet we'll have another podcast before uh, the playoff. I know it's, it's tight with Christmas, but um, we try and get our guy, Jake Butt, on down in South Florida, uh, maybe the day, day or two before the game. He's been, he's been helping us out lately. Our guy, Brent, uh, got in touch with him, and, and he's been an asset to us as far as, you know, especially now that he's uh, out of football, unfortunately, um, those injuries, you know, couldn't really shake those. But uh, he's been he's been an awesome personality just on digital and try and link up with him down in down in Florida. We can talk uh, maybe one last preview before the game. So we'll talk more about the CFP um, before we switch to hoops, which, you know, I, I love chatting about always. Any other uh, bowl headlines that stand out? I mean, Ohio State, Utah in the Rose Bowl. Never sneeze at a Rose Bowl. Like, I don't care who you are, what, what program you are. Um, should be an awesome experience. You got your boys in the Peach Bowl uh, in Atlanta. Gets Kenny Kenny Pickett and that sweet hair, you know, slick back hairstyle he brought to New York this weekend. Um, any thoughts? I, I don't know. Just kind of running through. We got nine bowl teams. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. Um, the Ohio State thing is interesting just because, like, I know you said that, you know, you can never sneeze at a Rose Bowl, and I certainly feel the same way. I just wonder if your whole goal every year is to win a Big Ten championship and get to the playoff and you don't, how fired up are you? Um, I, I, I don't feel like any program is above the Rose Bowl if you're a Big Ten team, but Ohio State kind of pushes against that a little bit. Um, 
I just wonder how motivated they'll be. I do think CJ Stroud playing at home, like he'll be fired up. You know, as a California kid playing in that venue, I'm sure it'll be awesome for him. Uh, and then the matchup itself isn't great. I mean, Utah's a team that wants to be physical and run right at you and go downhill and punch you in the mouth. And that didn't work out so well the last time we saw the Buckeyes. So I don't think they're as talented as Michigan, but they're certainly really physical. So I'll be curious to see, you know, if hearing over and over again about how they lost and, you know, the problems they had on defense, if they just rise up and take it out on Utah, or is this another case where Utah just, you know, hey, we're, we're excited to be here. We've never been here. And does Ohio State, you know, rise up against that or they say, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll play and see what happens. And if we win, we win. Cool. If we lose, we'll get ready for next year. We already got a new defensive coordinator and, you know, we'll see what happens. And as for the Peach Bowl, we don't know if Kenny Pick is going to play. He said That's he's right. sure. Now there's yeah. reports that – Kenneth Walker might not play because the injuries and stuff that he's been trying to battle through. Which, but I would take way, a lot of luster off that matchup if neither of those guys play. By the way, Kenneth Walker, man, like that dude should have been. Don't get me started. Finalist. Don't get me started. Like, all right, we, we won't get into it. Like, <laughs> don't get me started on it's that. Unless, unless you, if you got another hour, <laughs> then I'll get started. The way, the way, you know, just again, it goes back to like our narratives that we talk about in college football and how. Everyone's got to just kind of package college football the way they're always used to seeing it. And that goes for awards. That goes for prominent programs a lot, a lot of times. Um, I will say, though, like you mentioned, CJ Stroud, and, and uh, I learned you know, a lot about him this weekend. Um, just being kind of up close with him at the, the Heisman stuff, like seems like a really nice dude. Um, as a redshirt freshman, awesome accomplishment, you know, obviously for anybody, but especially for him to, to get to the, uh, that stage as, as a Heisman finalist. Um, you know, kind of shared some of his story about, you know, trying to trying to get out and uplift his family um, from, you know, some tougher circumstances in, in SoCal. And uh, I, I kind of felt bad for him at times up there because like the, the Michigan guys like Desmond Howard, they were just they were rel- relentless up there. And I know, you know, to college football fans and, and just like, you know, people who don't live and breathe the rivalry every day, it's it's funny. It's a joke, but like, I, I know <laughs> if you're up there, you're Ryan day in the crowd, you're, you're CJ on the stage. Like I'd be biting my lip a, a, quite a bit if I was on the stage and, and had to hear about the Michigan game so many times. Cause it's like, Hey, we did dominate this for, you know, almost a decade and, and 17, 18 years or whatever it was. So uh, those, those jokes were, were getting off pretty fast and furious up there. Yeah. It's, it's been quite the victory lap for Michigan and uh, Ohio state has had to, had to, to take it for lack of a better term you got it um, yeah they've it's an interesting spot just because they aren't used to it i mean if you haven't lost for a decade i wouldn't be used to it either and so i'll be really curious you know to see how they attack next year they've already got a new defensive coordinator as we talked about um and just how much of that do they have to do they just channel like all of the jokes that have been flying hearing you know hearing about their manhood being questioned and their toughness being questioned and, you know, all of this stuff. I'll be very curious to see how they bounce back from it. I'm sure they'll be fine. It's Ohio State. They're, they're a machine. They always roll. But even when they were winning, it didn't feel the same. It felt more finesse. And we're not really used to seeing that from them. 
So I'll be curious to see um, what it's like going forward. All right, well said. And uh, before we wrap up, Asia, let's talk some hoops. Uh, you know, the season's really cranked up since we last spoke. Um, there's been some ups and downs for the Big Ten for sure. You know, when you enter the season, I believe five top 25 teams, you sit at, at three currently. Um, you know, definitely some lumps early on, and, and we'll see how that plays out as we get into conference play. And, you know, we've always talked about in the past how, like, it's so important to kind of frame your narrative as a conference early on because that way, you know, if you can stack up some W's and, and stay atop those Ken Palm, those net ratings, um, just that makes the losses and it makes the wins more significant in conference play and, and the losses less so. And, you know, you're entering now a couple of weeks from full-on conference play, uh, not in as good a position as you have in the last couple of years, especially not last year when, when everything was, was uh, really, really strong. But, again, you saw how that turned out in the NCAA tournament with, uh, you know, teams falling off. So who knows what happens down the road. But just kind of recapping, uh, tough look in the Gavit games for the Big Ten. Uh, a lot of losses to the Big East. And then better showing in, in ACC Big Ten. It kind of looked like they were going to run away with the ACC Big Ten challenge. Um, ACC had a good, good final night. Um, and then we just had some wild stuff also happen, right? Like Mark Turgeon stepping down. I, we right. would not have seen that coming, like maybe at the end of the year, but in December, that was weird. Um, Michigan has struggled mightily, a uh, team that came in the top 10 and, and you thought, you know, they, they could maybe keep it going. I'm honestly not as surprised as maybe a lot of people are. I thought it'd be a tougher transition seeing as you lost a, uh, you know, NBA rookie of the year candidate and Wagner and, and livers and, um, Shawnee Brown, and Mike, Mike Smith. yeah, Shawnee Brown and Mike Smith, the transfers, right? Like it's it's uh, it's a lot to to replace. Um, Illinois being really up and down. Uh, we can talk more about that in a second, but just like you know, you expect to have Andre Carbello and healthy, and and um, you expect you know maybe some more stability. And they've had some really good stretches of basketball. Probably should have been in Arizona the other night, um, and also you know a really really rough start that frustrated me to no end. But um, you know that's. That, that's the fan of me talking. Uh, and then just continuing to run down the list here, Minnesota, feisty, right? Eight and one, only, only loss came to, uh, came to your guys at MSU. So well, I guess let's just get into it. Like overall thoughts on, on the conference so far. Um, didn't even mention Purdue, who got the number one in the country before. The, the shocking shot of the, you know, probably best shot we've seen on Big Ten Network ever with Ron Harper Jr.'s buzzer beater. Um, so let's get into it all at, at kind of a, macro level and and uh, close out with some hoops talk. Yeah, I think that the the bottom of the league is is really strong. Unfortunately, the the media won't care about that and I don't know how much uh like the, the talking heads will care about that. Last year we had like a a really really good top and a really strong middle and the bottom was just kind of at. But there really won't be many off nights in this league. Um, you know, Minnesota was picked, you know, bottom two, bottom three in the conference. A bunch of guys transferring in and out. They got three road wins against power fives, you know, including winning at Michigan. And they're doing it with, you know, pretty much an entirely, entirely new roster outside of Eric Curry. Uh, I'm really, really impressed with what uh, Ben Johnson's done there so far. And the fact that they're doing it and they're not turning the ball over, considering they got a whole new team and like they don't turn the ball over. It's crazy. And they're not that deep and they're still finding ways to win. Uh, definitely kudos to him. Um, 
Rutgers are struggling, and then they go and beat number one. So, again, it just kind of goes to show what the league uh, could be this year. I thought Purdue was kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, part of that, I think, is because I've been a huge Jay Nivey guy since last January. And I just, you know, after they beat North Carolina the way they did and Villanova the way they did, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be one. They might win the league by a few games, not so fast. And especially, and they followed that up with that NC State performance. They probably should have lost. Trevion Williams saved the day there. Um, it's 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 an interesting league. You know, you talked about Illinois already. You know, Michigan, they're, they're having issues. They kind of remind me a little bit of Michigan State last year where they don't have a point guard. And nothing else matters if they don't have a point guard. And they, they brought a guy in. It hasn't worked out thus far. You know, freshman not quite ready yet. Eli Brooks really isn't a point guard. Dickinson hasn't been the same because he had he doesn't get the looks that he got last year. So they're I think they're gonna take a little time to figure out. And then my guys are kind of just laying in the weeds a little bit. You know, no one's really talking a lot about them. And here they are, top 10 defense in the country. Uh Tyson Walker seems to kind of figure it out a little bit at point guard. And all of his those teams, all his really good ones, have that, you know, leader. They have that point guard that kind of makes it all go. We'll see if Tyson Walker can continue that. But I haven't seen a point guard at Michigan State kind of control the game the way he has without scoring like he has. Like we've seen like the Kalen Lucas and the Cassius and – you know, Knightsville and guys like that, but they're usually scoring to control it. You know, we, the Louisville game, he scored like two points. We had 10 assists and it was great on defense. And he's only averaging like eight points, but you can tell he's getting more comfortable. He's getting guys involved. And they could be pretty dangerous if they cut down on the turnovers. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this point guard that was that's cost him at least last year and, you know, and what you miss trying to bridge that gap between – the uh, Cash's era and the post Cash's era. So definitely critical for them. You mentioned that Purdue NC state game and, and uh, you know, I was there and, and like had some just kind of lucky seats. And that's what I, I like about some of those events that are just kind of going to the radar, like hopped on over there after the Heisman stuff this weekend. And I just, you know, kind of sat at the scorers table, right. By Purdue's bench. So uh, first of all, Matt Painter's hilarious. Like I knew he was, but just like hearing what he says to his coaches throughout a full game, as if it's standing right next to me, uh, was awesome. I would, I would pay a lot of money, you know, if I was a Purdue fan to have that, that privilege, um, just, just excellent monologue that he has going throughout the game. Um, and, and Purdue, like just one of those weird things where they were not in the game, like it looked like mentally or, or emotionally or anything. And then they just, you know, like, like great teams do flip the switch and great players took over. Travion Williams had an unbelievable game, like 80, uh, was doing well, but it wasn't really, you know, when they're burying the ball into him, the, the rest of the offense wasn't really flowing. Threes weren't falling. Free throws weren't falling. And Travion just kind of opened up the entire court for them with, with his versatility. Um, and, you know, we see it all the time with great teams. Like, they're never dead until until they're really dead. And NC State was just kind of controlling that game methodically until Purdue woke up. And Sasha Stavanovich was, was awful until he was great. And he pretty much won the game for them in the end of regulation, then an OT. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that would have been a really tough loss to, to take for them on, on Sunday coming off the, the um, 
Shocker and Rutgers. And it's just interesting with, with what you saw happen to that team and pretty much all the same guys against North Texas, right? Like, are they going to come out and lay an egg? And, and you saw the NC State game developing. You're like, this can't happen uh, once we get to, to March. But um, it seemed like they figured it out. Maybe that was a hurdle they got over there on Sunday. And then uh, after that, I wasn't able to catch the end of it. Had to, had to head back home. But uh, Maryland beating Florida, that's a nice response. Florida also had a rough, rough couple of weeks here. Um, but Maryland, you know, with an interim coach and Danny Manning and a guy who seems to, to truly, you know, care and, and show emotion. And he, he was, uh, you know, heartfelt in that, that post-game interview. Uh, cool story for them. You know, the, good to see those guys haven't, haven't given up when, when the coach leaves, uh, I guess, at least an outsider unexpectedly. Yeah, that, that uh, again, the timing of that was really, really weird. And, you know, again, shout out to Danny Manning for getting those guys together. And, and getting that win. Uh, I know, again, we talked about, we talked on uh, Trevion Williams. I'd be remiss, though, if we didn't talk about Ohio State and EJ Liddell. Right. Um, you know, they had a, they had a so tough good. November. Yeah. You know, um, they bounced back. They beat Duke. He's been great. I uh, smacked Wisconsin over the weekend. And, again, it's early. It's just mid-December. Don't know what, you know, metrics that – People like looking at, but, you know, for fun, every once in a while, I'll check uh, Kim Palm's player of the year. And EJ Liddell is absolutely running away with it nationally right now. Um, I mean, he's just been a monster. Like, I know they've had, you know, some issues uh, point guard at times, defensively at times, you know, barely beat some teams, you know, like the Akron game to start the year, stuff like that. But he's been a constant um, I know he was on the fence last year in terms of, you know, coming back or not. It looks like a great decision for him so far. And, you know, a couple of other guys, I think, have, have risen up that we might not have expected. Johnny Davis being one of them at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we kind of had a tough start as a league, you know, after Gavit games. But, you know, Wisconsin went in the Maui tournament and him kind of having a coming out party there. Was, was certainly a big deal. You know, we're seeing Keegan Murray emerge as well. You know, he's been great. Uh, TJD's doing his thing in Indiana. So those four, or actually, and Trevion Williams, apparently now is second on, on the, uh, the Kempon Player of the Year. So Big Ten has five of the top ten uh, in terms of his uh, Player of the Year rating so far. So got a lot of really good individual performances, which is interesting considering how much uh, star power we lost a year ago. And we got new new guys emerge, and you know the league appears to be in good hands. Yeah, EJ really, I think, has has an NBA game, right? Like he can step out and knock it down. He's got a great feel for the game. Like I'd be surprised if he doesn't stick somewhere. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, not super athletic or anything, but a guy just knows how to play, and he's efficient, and you know he can shoot it. And he's pretty much automatic from two. I think he's shooting like sixty four percent from two, but he can make threes as well. Good on the glass good at the line. So, you know, again, shout out to him for, for coming back, working on his game even more and, you know, kind of becoming the, the main guy. You know, he kind of split a little bit with Dwayne Washington a year ago, but it's clearly his team now. And, you know, they've appeared to, to figure some things out. Yeah. And like, it's interesting, you know, we're kind of come up for air from, from football and, and, um, you know, just with, just with travel, to be honest, like I haven't watched as much Big Ten basketball as I normally do. I usually, you know, try to watch like most games. And um, 
I, I, I'm now just reflecting in our discussion here. And like you said, we've had uh, Duke being upset as a number one team by Ohio State. Um, Purdue as a number one team and, and, you know, going back to Ohio State, then beating Florida on a buzzer beater. Uh, there's been a lot that's happened. It's been, it's been an interesting year. I think this will be a fun season, even despite the, the tough opening week or two. Um, there is a lot of star power, like you said, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I think it will be a solid league. I think it'll be a, a high bid league once again. Um, just, I don't know, there's just too many, too many good players. And I think having that star, you know, power, even though, like I said, the, um, the struggles in March are still going to kind of, I think, follow a lot of the teams going into this next one and, and until they prove otherwise. But, uh, I like, I like a way, the way a lot of these teams are built as far as, you know, having one or two guys and then good coaches and just solid, you know, lineups across the board. So really excited to get going in, in big 10 play. Love getting the two games out of the way early. Like that's nice. Just get a taste. And, and I know you agree with me there. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I, I always wondered how that was going to work, you know, especially like right after ACC Big Ten. I'm like, hey, now you got two conference games, but it is nice. You get a taste of it, you know, get your feet wet. OK, figure out what you need to work on. All right, we'll step back. You get finals, stuff like that. You get an extra week, week and a half to practice. Got some bye games. Uh, in the case of Ohio State, they actually got Kentucky coming up. But uh, more often than not, you got a chance to kind of get healthy, you know, get some wins under your belt before you jump back in it for real in January. So it is it is nice to get a taste, really get to see what your team is about. And, you know, it looks like that'll continue for the foreseeable future. And I'm here for it. Yeah, I got Crossroads this weekend and the what do they call the Ohio State, Kentucky? Is that another what classic? Is yeah, that? it's another 14 tournament with uh, Carolina and UCLA. I forget yeah, it's always in, it's always in Vegas at T-Mobile. Um, but yeah, that'll be fun, too. And did you watch the Illinois-Arizona game the other day? I saw bits and pieces. You I, were on vacation. Was, uh, yeah, vacation. And I saw yeah. they were up, and then I saw I got away, and I didn't really see what was going on. But I feel like they can't get whole until Corbello gets back. And you know, I know Plummer's been really good for them recently, but they they can't get to where they need to be without Corbello being on the court. It, it was a great, legitimately great game. And I couldn't watch, like, my full – attention just because it was during the, the Heisman stuff, but um, it was a high level basketball game. Like Arizona, uh, you know, oh, I, they're good. I, yeah. I, I don't know how, I guess I do know how people missed on them early just because it was a collection of new guys, but like when you got guys that are that talented and long athletic, um, you know, pretty much the uh, FIBA team they got going over there. Um, they, I was really impressed by Arizona top, you know, five team now. And, and, it's, it's interesting because that's kind of the trend with like these Underwood teams, right? Like they struggle in non-conference and they run into some buzzsaws and then they usually figure it out in big 10 play. Um, you know, now I think the key is, can they readjust to then coming back and trying to beat non-conference teams in March? Like I, I think they will be good in big 10 play. They're already two and zero. Um, But I, I think you're right. I think there's a ceiling of sorts without Andre Carbello. We talked about the importance of having, good point guard play and they don't have a true point guard really without Carbello uh, on the squad. And, and, you know, no one really knows when he's coming back yet. So hopefully he can get back soon. But I think people forget really quickly how great he was on last year's team. And yeah, there wasn't as much pressure on him because, because they had IO, but the dude was outstanding when IO was out and he was outstanding in the big 10 tournament. And when I see like some 
you know, Illinois tough guys on Twitter saying, oh, you know, better, better without Corbello and the turnovers no. and better. First of all, people are allowed to have bad games, right? Like people are basing Corbello's. By just um, off the Marquette game, pretty much. Yeah, off the Marquette game where he was bad, but like, yo, everybody can have a bad game now and again. They can have a few per year. Like that's just going to happen. And I think because it was so early in the season, people just like have that stuck in their mind. And it's a small, it's a, it's a minority um, slice of, of Illinois fans who, who believe that I think that he, you know, the team would be better off without him. Like, absolutely not. He is a huge piece to what the team can be. And I think they're pretty good without him. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, and I believe Raphael Davis uh, commented on this earlier in the week, they just need a guy who can get in the lane and create for others. It seems like the offense right now is, all right, dump it into Kofi, see if he can get it. If he can't, kick it back out and shoot a three. Like, there really isn't a lot of, like, dribble drive. There really isn't a lot of – Mid-range, like Iowa. Mid-range. It's literally just, uh, you know, kick it in, see if he can go to work. If not, shoot a three. So they really need him and his creativity because he's got a way of, you know, getting guys the ball in good spots, whether it's at the rim or whether it's, you know, coming off the screen for a three as he, you know, draws attention. And they just don't have that guy right now. I know Trent Frazier's played a lot better recently, but, you know, he's not a point guard. Right. There's only game he had one assist. And as a team, they had 14 and had 16 turnovers. And so, like, they need a guy who can kind of get it all going at once. Yeah, Kofi's putting up great numbers, and that's without somebody, you know, reliably feeding him the ball for easy dunks. Like, he's had so many fewer dunks than last year, I'm pretty sure, just just because you don't have Io or somebody, you know, freeing him up. So, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Optimistic about Illinois in the Big Ten race uh, up there, you know, with your guys at the top right now. So, that'll be fun. Maybe we'll have a, a good running dialogue all season long about the Big Ten title. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I don't think my guys can win the league. I still think Purdue's the best team, uh, at least too. Yeah. January through – uh, through March, you know, we'll see what happens if Corbello gets healthy or Michigan State figures out the, the turnover issue. But um, I think it could be a, a very fun race. I think it could be multiple teams involved with Purdue just a little bit ahead of the others. Yeah. And so I, I'll be curious to see, like, who else kind of emerges from the Purdue, Michigan State, Wisconsin. Illinois, Ohio State. Does Wisconsin have staying power? Can – Iowa emerge with Keegan Murray. You know, does Michigan figure it out? No, I'll be, I'll, I'll be curious to see. You know, does Minnesota for real? How long does this last? You know, can it last all the way through? So I, you know, I definitely got to show them some love. And I mean, heck, Northwestern playing well. We'll see how long that lasts. So, you know, the league, the league is is different than what I think people thought, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. All right, well put. Great to catch up, chop it up, and uh, we'll be back on sooner and later, I'm pretty sure. So uh, enjoy the holidays. Uh, once again, enjoy the afterglow of your birthday, and uh, you know we'll hopefully have a good rest of the, the year, 2021 here, <clears throat> and a fun, uh, fun start 22. Do it. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, thanks once again to Harold and JoJo for joining the show. A lot of fun. Uh, talking to them, you know, really uh, interesting time right now. Big Ten sports. I love December. As always, we got basketball in full swing, and and you have major major events going on, like the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Obviously, 
got your championship games with the uh, Big Ten championship a couple weeks ago and college football playoff coming up, the other bowl games, you got basketball rivalry games, you got, uh, we don't talk about it on here, but we've got volleyball final four with two teams in the final four. So just a lot going on. It's, it's really the most fun month of the year for me personally, usually at the network outside of March and March Madness. And um, hope everyone's enjoying this just a buffet of sports that we got coming at us here. Um, and hope you enjoyed listening to the, the podcast and us talking about it. And like I alluded to with Harold, we'll try and get another one out before 2022 begins. So stay tuned. Um, definitely subscribe if you haven't already on podcast platforms. Talk in, po- uh, what do they call it now? Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, and Spotify. Pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts, we are available. And definitely subscribe to the Big Ten Network YouTube channel if you have not already. We're available on there as well. You can see the guests on video in their entirety. Um, Just find the Take 10 podcast playlist on YouTube. All right. Thanks once again to everyone for listening. Thank you to Julie Bronder for stitching the show together. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Take 10 podcast.